How bad can it get? Just how goddamn bad can it get? This is by far the worst team that has ever sat in this locker room. You son of a bitches! You don't deserve a locker room! You don't deserve a locker room the way you're playing here! You should be playing without uniforms! You should be playing in the jock straps! God damn it! Every time we get ready to play, I just want to throw up. I'm goddamn sick of watching you guys play. There's not one of you, not one of you, that's learned how to win. We got hammered the last four games, and it stopped right now. If you keep playing the way you're playing, we're going to get an ass beat again tonight. So depressed, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm through fighting, you sons of bitches! You're the dumbest team I ever coached.
Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, folks. Uh, we are back uh, a little bit later than we would have liked to have been uh, this week, but that's due to uh, general busyness, and, and I've actually not been that, that well. I've just uh, told Ian that I've been ill the past week or so, and it's been combined with being incredibly busy at work. Uh, that's just sort of uh, just voided me of time, we shall say. Uh, I am Mark Foster, and this is episode 78 of Dude and the Monkey. As ever, I'm joined by my co-host. Ian Loring, hey guys. Hey, uh, and uh, this episode will be uh, it'll be airing and going out into the world on Thursday, the I think it is the, the, the fourth. It'll be of September, which means you have how many days? Ian? Is it three days to uh, stump up some effing cash and sponsor you? Yeah, man. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I'm doing a, a thank you. I'm doing a thank you charity run in aid of um, Sydney, Wales, which uh, I don't know, it kind of does what it says on the tin now you do. But um, yeah, all donations are matched by my employer. Um, so yeah, we could actually make a good amount of cash. And uh, yeah, any donations are gratefully received. I won't give you the full URL on here, but if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, I have tweeted out links. But uh, yeah, 10k. I need to do it in less than an hour, but we'll see how that goes. Cool, cool. Oh, good luck with that on Sunday. Thank you. Um, today we have uh, a review of Sin City, uh, James to Kill for. Uh, we're going to do some one old and one new. Uh, and we're going to do what has now become, because of time constraints, uh, the final part of our Tupacathon, uh, which is Gridlock. Uh, and then we'll go into details of what our next marathon is going to be. Uh, Ian, anything that's happened? We, we're not going to do trailers to be honest today, um, because honestly, I've, I've just not had time to watch any at all uh, since since we last recorded. Um, so maybe we'll do a bumper pack of trailers uh, on the next show. Uh, Ian, is there anything that's kind of cropped up in the past week that that you need to you feel you need to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I will I will say my digital Ian experiment has ended. Yeah. Um, what, what happened? What happened there? Yeah, man. When Google refuses to take your account information all day to buy something and when you have problems with your Chromecast and you're unable to actually watch something and uh, it, you know, that and the fact that the prices are cheaper for stuff, but they're not a super amount cheaper. And I kind of am start back on the if it means I'm not going to have a problem actually watching the thing, I, I'm by having it on disc, I'll just have it on disc. Um, that's kind of how I'm going at the moment. Now, I will say I reserve the right to change my mind in the future, just because I am going Apple as well. Um, over the next couple of weeks, so I'm in kind of intrigued to see what Apple can offer in terms of um, in terms of movie content and whatnot. I'm also intrigued by the idea of iTunes extras on Apple, yeah. um, which is a big plus. Um, but for now, I have gone back to blue, ah. and I'm I'm quite I'm I'm quite happy about it. I mean, there's one thing I will say: having a look at iTunes compared to Google Play. The amount of films that are actually available in 5.1 on iTunes compared to Google Play is ridiculous. Barely any are available for that on Google Play. But pretty much anything you want to have a look at are at least in 5.1 on Apple. 
And that's weird to me. I mean, and also, there are actually, they seem to have, I'm just having a look now, they seem to have things at a lot more reasonable prices on Apple. I mean, like, there, there have been offers on Apple which were fantastic. But a lot of the time, like, unless there's something in a sale, back catalogue stuff will still cost you a tenner or more. Yeah, that's 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 kind of what, so I think always put me off a little bit um, with with going down the, the Apple and the iTunes route is, for instance, if I wanted to buy a copy of Candyman, for instance, let's just throw that out there. I could probably pick that up on uh, DVD for three quid, Blu-ray for six quid, uh, or I can look on, on iTunes and anytime I sort of look, it'd be like nine ninety nine, and it's a bit of a no-brainer of, well, it, I've got a physical copy. And, it, and that's what's kind of put me off a little bit uh, often with the, with the digital um, content. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having a look now. Like today, I bought Argo, the extended cut, um, Les Mis and uh, Casino Royale, uh, free for 20. Yeah. Um, on Blu ray and HMV. I'm having a look now. Argo would cost me a tenner yeah. um, uh, 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 for an HD copy. Um, Casino Royale. And the thing is, I know this is completely contradicting what I've been saying over the last few weeks, but when you get the frustration of just not being able to buy something and not being able to watch something, it does, it does make you think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was nine ninety nine. Casino Royale seven ninety nine, and I don't know whether it's the uncut version because I actually know it's not. It's the twelve version because um, there is an uncut version of of, of Casino Royale that's a fifteen. Yeah. Um, it's just got more of the bollock with it. Yeah. Um, but at least that is there. Um, how much is later? And you know, let's be honest, Casino Royale's nothing without the bollock with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Les Mis would cost me nine ninety nine. Yeah. So for the the three films I got for twenty quid, if I was to get them digitally, it would cost me just shy of thirty quid. Yeah. And that's not really good value for money. And I. I was the thing is I was enjoying the being able to watch it on my tablet and then get home like on the butt on the train and then get home and then pick it up from where I was. But I I, I kinda had an epiphany where if I've got a Blu-ray of something, I just kind of wanna I do kind of just wanna watch it on Blu-ray. Yeah, just sit and watch it as and a... like watch like sit there and watch it. Whereas I think if I'm just watching something on Netflix on my phone, mm. it's not as it's not as pressing. There is also a, a, a slight, um, and this goes against that kind of collect thing. But there's a there's a sort of a moneyball aesthetic you can put towards it as well. If you, for instance, if you decide to in six months' time go, do you know what? Fuck it. Digital's got better since my last exploration into it, and now there's all of these things where they said they're going to do this better. You can then put on eBay your copy of Argo, your copy of Casino Royale, and your copy of Limits. You might only get a yeah. combined 10 quid for them, let's say. But that means that that 10 quid will then go and you can buy one of those films. You can't then, if you've got a digital copy, you can't then forward that and sell that on to somebody, really, can you? It's, it, it's yours and it's there and you have the digital right to it, but you can't then sell it on to somebody if you so wish. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The stuff that I bought on Google Play, I was able to get a refund on some of it, but some of it, it is kind of money down the drain. And 
that is a, is a shame. But at the same time, I've still got it. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, I the, can the, still you, you can still watch it. I hopefully. can still watch <laughs> the stuff. You know, it's just I don't. I, I I wouldn't have the Blu-rays of them. And I mean, like I say, if iTunes Extra get uh, gets better and better, um, you know, and if there's more extras and. Also, lossless sound would be a big thing for me as well. I mean, it looks like they do a lot of Dolby Digital, which is great. But then again, that sound that's been around for well over a decade now. I mean, Christ, you could get Dolby Digital 5.1 when DVD first came mm. out. So, are you, you know, so it, it's, TV then? I don't know. Um, that's a conversation for another time, mm. I think. Um, I am... I am kind of intrigued, but at the same time, I'm not. I'm having a look literally on Amazon right now at Apple TV. £69.39. Mm. I'm not £69.39 intrigued. That's my thing with it. I, I, I've looked at it, and uh, the, the time when I came closest were for it was when at one point you could um, subscribe to what was Al Jazeera TV um, for 250 quid a year, and you got every single Premier League game, and you could run that through your Apple TV, and I very nearly very nearly bit on that but then um somebody did tell me the problem is is it is you can do it and you get access to it but it can be incredibly sketchy and i thought i don't want to pay all that money uh for every premier league game to then find that halfway through a game it just cuts off yeah i mean that that's depot that's depot a worry um i mean I mean, the thing is with Chromecast, it's kind of an unfinished product as well. And I kind of think that's why they're selling it for 30 quid, because it is a like a kind of admittance. This is a work in progress, but you're getting it for cheap. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said. I mean, like I've tried to hurry up because we're spending quite a lot of time on this, but there's a lot to be said, I think, for Apple's aftercare service as well from the stories I hear from people. And that's that's like my Nexus 5 Google phones just been in for repair for two weeks. It's come back and it's not fixed. Ooh, that's not good. And, and yeah, and it's like I'm kind of I'm just I'm done because mm. you know with Apple, as long as you've still got it under warranty, which would be the same as it would be with Google anyway, like the one year warranty. I I understand you you can pretty much walk into an Apple store say, this isn't working because Noel told me this. Um, he had a problem, or his friend did. And they basically gave him like a spare model, exact same model, and said, "All right, we're going to take a look at it. If this doesn't work, just keep the model that we've given you. Mm. Job done. You know, if we can't repair it, and and that's the thing. Like when I wanted to get my phone repaired, I walked into Carphone Warehouse, and they said, "All right, we're going to give you this piece of shit phone mm. that doesn't do 3G. Your SIM card won't fit in it." <laughs> And, it, you know, you can call and text and ask about it. Thankfully, we had a spare phone at home, um, like one of our old phones. So I was able to put my SIM in there. But it's things like that as well. And I know this is drifting away from the movies thing, but I've been a very Google person over the last few years. But the the, the, the kind of the sheen and the flawlessness of Apple and the kind of the slightly one size fits all approach that they take as well. I'm kind of I'm re I'm kind of ready for that. Yeah. I just can't be asked anymore. To be <laughs> honest, I just like I just want stuff that works. Yeah. And that's kind of what Apple do. It's stuff that works, and you might pay a premium, but it's stuff that works. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, 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 I'm through on that. I 
with my Apple, with my iPhone, it, it does everything I need it to do and it works. Therefore, I'm happy. I'm not going to change. But I'm not one of these people who says, all right, they're just better. But I, I, don't, I don't know if they're better. I know that it works for me. That, therefore, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, I think we probably spent long enough on this. But basically, I, I will be physical media for the, the, the time, for the foreseeable but you know if when 4k comes out you can only get that through like streaming services and like through itunes and stuff like that i'll and if i've got a 4k tv i'll probably drop physical media like that but it'll do for me for now cool oh, no. hello oh okay that was weird yes, we're back <laughs> okay brilliant cool. okay carry on uh, right um so we're gonna play a trailer now for uh sin city a dame to kill for uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna get into it. Uh, with a slight technical little dip there uh, for literally about three or four seconds. Uh, so it might have yep. gone quiet for y'all guys, but that was that was because of that. Uh, so here's the trailer for Sin City: A Dame to Kill For. Nice. Sin City's where you go in with your eyes open. Or you don't come out at all. How did I get here? What have I done? You're the only man I ever loved. Death is just like life in Sin City. It always wins. You never thought we'd stand a chance against the most powerful man in the state. Maybe I'll go crazy. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Well, Senator. You got any idea what you're up against? You're up against a Rourke. I'm ready for your worst. Boy, you don't even want to dream about my worst. You'd be smart to kill me now. Ava. She betrayed me. Kill him. For power and profit. You've made me a very rich woman. You cannot defeat us. This time they have crossed a fatal line. I need your help. Needs going up against a lot of guns. I'm gonna kill Rourke. Kill me in. Power is a fragile thing. I need them to know the price of defiance. Now. Who wants to play? Looks like trouble. Looks like Christmas. You're starting a gang war. In a game for professionals. Never lose control. Never let the monster out. Okay, you heard a, a trailer there for Sin City, A Day to Kill For. Uh, this is the sequel uh, to the 2005 movie, uh, Sin City, which was co-directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller. Uh, this film, again, is co-directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, based on the Sin City 
uh, graphic novels. Uh, we have a cast of Mickey Rourke returns, Jessica Alba returns, Josh Brolin is new to the cast, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is new to the cast, Rosario Dawson returns, uh, Bruce Willis returns, Eva Green is new, uh, Paris uh, Booth returns, Ray Otter's new, Jamie King returns, Christopher Lloyd's new, Jamie Chung's new, uh, and Jeremy Piven is new, as is Juno Temple. Uh, taken from mostly from the second uh, book in the Sin City series, um, we follow a lot of the same characters around uh, on their adventures in Basin City uh, over a period of time. Some of it's set before the first film, some of it's set after the first film, and basically it's shot in very much a similar style. Um, Ian, big question. One, uh, what did you think of Sin City and was there just too much time gone? Okay, um, I rewatched Sin City the day before. I did as well, um, actually. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, so the day before I saw Sin City 2. And um, I think that, still, that film still works. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a nice variety of characters. I think the, the, the stories are varied enough and the, the stories have a clear beginning, middle and end. And apart from a couple of moments in City, Sin City, those stories play out essentially start to end, start to end, start to end. You do have Bruce Willis' story at the start, kind of picking up at the end, but I think there is a clear demarcation of where one, you know, where things begin and where other things end. I don't think it's been too much time. Um, I just think this is an absolute mess of a film. Um, I I actually thought it was kind of embarrassing for Rodriguez and Miller. It, it basically felt like Robert Rodriguez thinking, I need a hit. I've been talking about doing this for years and it's going to be an easy win. And then, you know what? It wasn't. That doesn't feel like there was any passion in this. It doesn't feel like there was any real, we need to go back to Sin City and tell these stories. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was an absolute mess. Um, it's 20, 25 minutes shorter than the first film. And yet is uh, it, it felt longer to me. Um, I think... There are a couple of performances in it which I, I I think are decent, but it feels like an awful lot going through the motions. And genuinely, it made Eva Green being naked boring. <laughs> I was bored by the tits in this film. Uh, we'll come to that. Mark? Um, a, a key word that you mentioned there uh, that I absolutely have to echo, and it was... Uh, which and well, two things. One, um, I actually said, don't see this with Becky. I actually said after it exactly what you've just said about Eva Green there, word for word, exactly what you have just said. I got bored of boobs in this movie. I, they actually, yeah. actually made me bored of seeing Eva Green new. Um, isn't that fucked? It, it, it is ridiculous, it, 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 it's terrible. Um, but the, the key point that you said was. It was embarrassing, uh, and it was. This isn't just a. This isn't a not a very good movie. It, it it's a terrible movie. It is messy. It has, like you say, no passion, no verve, no 
spirit, no originality, no ideas. And that's not just because, you know, Sin City had all of those things, but because it's been, there's been so many copycats and that style has been duplicated so many times in the nine years since that this now feels old hat in comparison. It, 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 it looked, it didn't have any of that pizzazz, any of the shine of, of the first movie um, at all there. It, when you were watching it, you were incredibly aware of the fact that this was all a soundstage and it was all green screen. And the, it, it, it all felt very small and quite cheap. And for a movie that cost, you know, 60 to 70 million dollars, it, it looked like one of Rodriguez's 20, 30 million dollar movies. Um, the performances, there are a couple of decent ones in, but there are so many that are just that are just awful. I mean, I mean, not just bad, but I mean, Ava Green, like we said, I got bored of seeing a new we both of that. She's terrible in this movie. Just, just yeah, she's not she's, great. It, she's very one. Yeah, and, embarrassing. And she's she's now getting to the point of where of where when she first came on the scene, it was look. Yes, she's startlingly beautiful, but there is so much more than that. She's now gone full circle at the point of where going, oh, do you know what? Actually, there might not be. Um, there might not be more than I that. I know. I, I, I think that's slightly unfair. I mean, like the, the, the character of Ava Lord is just... I mean, the story, which felt like the longest story of the lot by a chalk, mm. the story is just... She's a femme fatale who fucks him over. There is nothing else, else it? to it. And, and I mean, the, the thing with Sin City, I suppose, in a way, it is just kind of like playing these characters kind of beat for expected beat. But there's, I don't know, there's at least a sense of fun and like a, a kind of a, a sick kind of point to, to uh, them in the original. Or the, the performances elevate them. Whereas here, it just, it feels like Eva Green was just like, right, I just get my tits out a lot and look sexy. All right, I can, I can do that in my sleep. Mm. You know, whereas, I mean, I, I, she has done really, really, really interesting work. You look at a film like Cracks. Yeah, she, she, um, she has, but, but she seems to have this year just gone for, I mean, there was this and the, uh, the 300 movie. Yeah, where course, yeah. essentially she's playing just two characters there where all they have to do is be scantily clad and then that's it that is it yeah and i mean both both films where she has hate sex yeah. as well you know it, it, it's i don't know it, it it is embarrassing and um i, I mean joss brolin is just snarly mm. and you know just some some of the fucking dialogue as well like i there's just not as much of that, like, it hit me like a freight train, or, like, she kicked me in a place no lady should kick anyone. You know, mm. that that kind of, like, meta, like sub-12-year-old metaphoring. It, it just... I, I just... I don't know what the aim of this film was. I mean, like, the, the sparks of life that are in there... I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is having fun, yeah. you know, and, and fair play. His story goes nowhere. No, no, it, it doesn't. Like, it, 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 it's, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. That, that actually, that story, the thing is, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the one, and Powers Booth actually is, is all right, but 
just that section. What was the point of that section? He has he he, he has a card game with the guy with Rock. He turns out to be his dad. Rock, he wins. Rock fucks him over. He has another card game with Rock. He wins. Rock kills him. The end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that 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 is literally it. Yeah. It, it, it's like it's like this film has no message to send at all. You know, and by the end of the film, Jessica Alba's killed Rourke. So it just, I mean, like, literally, what was the point of the JGL one? To show that Rourke's a bastard. We already knew that. To be honest with you, I'm pretty sure that that yellow bastard, this, the story from the first one, made very clear how much of a bastard Rourke yeah. is. You don't need another half hour, 40 minutes in this one to tell us something we already know. Yeah, and I mean, the amazing thing is, is, if you were to pick the lead character in this movie, it, it's probably Rock. It's Powers Booth. Yeah, and he's not on any of the fucking posters. You know, I know that's because his his face sadly wouldn't sell a, a movie to most people. But even I felt, you know, I thought, you know, looking back on it, I think Sin City is, is one of Jess Grauber's, you know, finer performances. Uh, and, you know, Jess Grauber's an actress that I'm very hit and miss with. I think she can be very good sometimes, and I think she can be very poor. Uh, her, she, one thing that's clearly been established is Jessica Alba can't act drunk because her acting drunk is just to slightly look down and just just sort of move a little bit jerky. And it's like, have you have you ever seen a drunk person? It it was it, there were so many points where it, it was just embarrassing. I have not yawned in a movie anywhere near. As, I don't think I've, I've yawned as many times in an hour and a bit in my life as I did during this movie. I was even tired when I was watching it. And it's like my brain was going, the only thing we can do to stop this is if you just go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, my, my head was genuinely at a 90 degree angle in my cinema seat the entire time. Mm. I, I just... I, that, I, the thing is, I... I was in the mood for this. I, 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 I was all good for it, you know, and I was looking forward. I, I was looking forward to it because so many people had been like, it is shit. Yeah, I, I, was, that... I, was, I was very much looking forward to it going, look, if it's, I was going in with the, the opinion of, if it's half as much fun as Sin City is, I'm happy with that. And then it, it just yeah. really wasn't. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's it, man. I mean, it just... There is no sense of life to it whatsoever. It feels like a, 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 just a, a like almost like somebody in a coma, and you just want to turn the life support off and just let them out of their fucking misery, you know. And I mean, like, like if the only it seems like the way Rodriguez and Miller have found to like make it interesting is to have everything thrown around all over the place so that the timeline doesn't make any sense. Mm. Like, I I mean, I'm assuming, right, what is the timeline of this film? So, A Dame to Kill For is probably first. Yeah. Because that's before Sin City. Yes. Okay. So, A Dame to Kill For. And then you've got the, the bit with Mickey Rourke at the start. God knows what that section was even about. But... I thought because I I thought that was gonna like we were gonna find out where he got those gloves from. Yeah, no, we don't. And then we never do. No. That that you was know, that I, was literally I, to have a piece in it, like the opening to Sin City, that was yeah, separate, 
from the rest of it. And the but then, like, I mean, that that opening of Sin City, it's surprising and it's got an interesting, well, it's got a genuinely interesting look to well, it. The, the opening um, to Sin City essentially was Rodriguez made that as a short film to show. Yeah, it was a test. It was a test. Frank Miller, yeah, um, right. what could be done? Because Miller was like, no, no, I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And then he showed it. Went, oh, actually, looks fucking good. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah I mean. It, it just it, it, I, 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 so you got that bit God knows where that bit comes in and I'm assuming then it's the JGL bit and then it's the which is kind of like maybe during or just after or just before Sin City and then you've got it's um, after, after the, Sin City because um, what's it's been killed um, his son's been killed at that point oh that's right okay yeah the bastard's been killed yeah. okay that's fine and then it's and, his last down and is that what the story is yeah. called? Okay, and then okay, and then you've got that. But then I swear, there's a moment where Clive Owen is in it at some point. No, when's Clive Owen in it? He's in it. No, he's not. No, he's not. The Cl- Clive, Clive Owen's not in it. In but, they, but, they, but but they make because uh, what's it? Because in the in the comics, uh, if I remember correctly, which I think I do, um, he's that uh, Dwight's character has plastic surgery and is, has a new face, which actually gets referenced in Sin City by Brittany Murphy's yes. character. Uh, that's what that is. But I didn't expect them to actually have the new face Dwight in this story because it's a different actor. Yeah. Uh, that didn't make sense. See, what about Goldie? She turns yeah. up at one point, doesn't yes, she? Yes, she does, yeah. Which story is she in? She's in Dame to Kill For. Okay, so she's in Dane to Kill For, and Dane to Kill For is before the start of Sin before, City. Yeah, before the start of Sin City, yeah. Okay. And, ah, oh, okay, Marv is in Nancy's Last Dance. Yeah. Okay, Marv is in Nancy's Last Dance, so when does Marv's story take place? Oh, okay, yeah, so here's a question. So Marv's story in the first Sin City has to take place after Nancy's last dance because he dies mm. in the Sin City story. Yeah. The, the big fat kill, I think it's yes. called. Okay. So in that story, Jessica Alba is in there and she's all smiley and happy and like she is in the first Sin City and not at all like she is in, in Nancy's last dance. Yeah, it, because they, they, they played around. Because, essentially, I don't think there was ever ever an intention of doing a, a, a second film. I just think that the first film made, did so well that they decided to, to make a second but, film. But then, but then don't do it nine Nancy's years Nancy's last later. dance, then. So she basically goes from, like, the avenging angel and then turns back into super happy Nancy. Yeah. And, and her face is all back together. And her face is all fine. Yeah. You see, this is the thing. When when the filmmakers have literally... It literally feels like they've just been like, chuck this here, chuck this here, chuck this here. Why should I give a shit? Well, the thing is, is I think this... What can... I, I, I think I can explain this, right? Robert Rodriguez, Sin City... You know, Robert Rodriguez started his career at El Mariachi and it, it got 
you know, a lot of good buzz, uh, a, a very low-budget indie film. Then he made Desperado, and it, it exploded, and it was a very popular film. Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty, Spy Kids, and then Sin City, they all did really well. And it announced him as one of the big sort of genuine talents. And then after Sin City, he just let all of that get to him and crawled up his own arse of this, oh, well, I'm a one-man fucking studio. I make the movies I want to make. I do it my way. I do digital. I make kids' movies that everyone loves, and I make grindhouse movies that everyone loves, and fuck the sitter, and all this lot. And it, he's just become incredibly wrapped up in his own ego. And it's made him incredibly lazy. Yeah, who gives a shit about Robert Rodriguez anymore? No. And the answer is no and one. I, think I, I, I used to, you know, when you go through, I mean, if you go through the first sort of five movies of his career, you know, El Mariachi, Desperado, um, From Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty, Spy Kids, you know, that's the first five movies. They're all really good movies. Um, and then, you know, he did Spy Kids 2, which isn't great, and Once Upon a Time in America, which didn't quite work, Spy Kids 3D, which, again, was not great. I mentioned the Shout Me and Lava Girl, which is fucking terrible. And then he hits Sin City, and you're like, oh, that, again, that's, this is really fucking good. You know, he's, he's back on form. I didn't dislike Planet Terror, but then since then, he's just gone off a cliff of just stupidity and laziness. The thing is, <clears throat> I, th- I think this has been noted by people before, but where he's gone, since Grindhouse, where Tarantino's gone to the point that he's actually basically apologising for Grindhouse... Yeah. Uh, and and where Rodriguez has gone, it is. I, I you just can't imagine those two filmmakers working with each other anymore. No, they're, they're, they're so like, far removed in terms of, of of how. And the thing is, is Rodriguez. There's clearly a talented filmmaker there, or there clearly was a talented filmmaker there. He just seems to have. He seems to have bought into an identity. And he's just going to do that now. And like you say, yeah. he's gone. Whereas the, the Grindhouse thing, it, it wounded Tarantino to go, well, do you know what? It was an experiment. It didn't quite work. But, I, you know, I made a movie that that I'm not really happy with, but I'm glad some people like it. And that's his feelings towards it. And it made him go, right. And then we've had Inglorious Bastards. We've had um, Django. And we get Hateful Eight. Whereas Rodriguez kind of, seems to have gone on the route of, no, 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 we were right, you, it was you lot that were wrong, we got fucked over by the studios, um, so here's Machete, here's Machete Kills, here's this and here's... And he seems like that's the route he's going to go down. Just almost that But I mean, the thing, the thing is, because, because his stuff lately has been so low budget, he's been able to get away with it, whereas this, like you say, it costs like $60 million. I doubt it's even going to break $20 million worldwide. Yeah. Which is is just going to lose so much money. Hmm. I mean, it's... it's... And apparently, I heard a visual effects house ploughed a load of their own money into this. And, you know, it's it's probably going to kill... Like, if a visual effects house, like, poured $20 million into this, it would probably kill them. But, and and the thing is... you can't see it on screen. It doesn't. It's not a very good-looking movie. It, it looks, it looks so much closer to the spirit than it does to Sin City. And that's 
that's that was the big worrying thing. It, I, I'd be intrigued to know how much Miller directed and how much Rodriguez directed. It's a good question. You know, it, it's it's a very good question. It's just not a very good film. I, I was, I mean. We, I, th- I think we're about done right now, aren't we? I don't, I don't think there's, I don't really feel like there's that much more to say about it. Um, right. I, I'm a definitely shit. I, I, I was incredibly uh, disappointed. I think the most interesting story of it was the really a Juno Temple one, and it, it's over in two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it absolute bobbins. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I certainly a definitely shit. Uh, definitely, definitely shit. Um, yeah, bollocks. Cool. Um, we're going to play some uh, promos for some podcasts we know and like, uh, and then we'll get into uh, some one old and one new for you. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage shit. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. (laughs) And romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back. For just one more adventure. Humans are such an easy prey. Noel Miller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Mellor, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time though. I mean, I must. Is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenser.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret. I'm Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Oh, for fuck's (laughs) sake! No, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. 
Where can I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gore Press Gorecast in iTunes, or you can find us at gorepress.com. so much knowledge about this film. Cool, there was some promos. Uh, Ian, do you want to kick us off with your first, either your one old or your uh, one new? She's playing and then she's asleep and whatnot. So it's all good. What am I going to sit here and watch? Now, my thinking for this was I'm going to watch something that's long because Donna's going to be out for like three, four hours. So I can sit down. I can watch something long. And I just fancied watching something in 3D. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's right. I own the 3D Blu-ray of this. So I rewatched Titanic by myself on a Friday night. Why not? And I I don't care what anyone says. Um, I I have a lot of time for Titanic. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, good for me. The thing is... Oh, hang on a sec. Oh. Don, you okay? Okay, I'm going to see if she's okay. Um... Yeah, sorry. I have a lot of time for Titanic. You see, the, 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 the way the discs, it's split over two discs, the 3D one as well. Um, yeah, the, I think the 2D's on one disc, but the 3D's on two. All oh, right. Um, just, I'm probably just for space, I would, I would think, because it is a very long Yeah. Yeah, yeah, quite. And like the, the first hour and 50 minutes is on the first disc, and then like, the last hour and a half is on the second disc. And it pretty much breaks at the point where everything's going to shit. It's about five, ten minutes after the iceberg. So it's it's basically when they realise we're fucked. Mm. And so the first disc is basically the stuff that I can slightly do without. You know, I think the relationship between DiCaprio and Winslet is actually quite well played. There's a, a nice balance between them actually, like, falling in love and them actually just wanting to get down to mm. it. You know, and I think their chemistry is spot on. Um but the, the kind of like the love triangle thing is hurt by the fact that Billy Zane is just such a bastard from, <laughs> from beginning to end. I mean, he's he is very good at playing such... it. Yeah, no, he, he is, though. He is. But he is such a bastard. And it's just like, it is like, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I need to be fair. Like, Rose isn't happy from the start, you know. So it's not like she suddenly realises he's a bastard or whatever. But it, it's... Stuff you can slightly do without, but you do have um, you do have Kathy Bates kind of like add, adding some zest in there, and the production value is fantastic. 
and the mix of CG and practical still really works. I mean, the most ropey looking stuff about the, about Titanic comes in the second disc where it's the shit hits the fan and that's where it gets like really, really good. Yeah. Um, there's there's some pretty bad green screen stuff like when they're kind of like you know where like the boat kind of like like tips over and they're kind of yeah yeah I know yeah yeah and and there's like and it's like the stars in the background it 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 looks a bit ropey but the rest of it actually looks pretty good um uh, to this day which was which was a really nice treat actually I mean the the wide shots of like the Titanic like further sinking in the water and people around it and whatnot you know I mean that is a ship that they built I mean one thing you know um. He gets knocked a lot, um, does um, Cameron, and quite and quite rightly so a lot of the time. It's his own fucking fault. In, in a lot of the time, um, but you know, it, it, I think you can see on all of it because he. I think we spoke about it before. I, I, I can't it was on on this podcast or on another podcast. I think it might have been on um, on another podcast that uh, uh, he he spent a lot of money on a lot of films, but. It is often visual on screen. You can see it there. Yeah, no, I mean that, that. Yeah, that's totally it. I mean, the the man knows how to spend his his yeah. budget. Yeah. You know, and, and and fair play to him. Um, but what really really strikes me about Titanic is how in this last hour hour and a half, Cameron is pretty unflinching about the the sheer horror of the thing, and there's not an awful lot of score. It, it, it's kind of, and if there is, it's very low in the background, and it's all about the kind of like the 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 the, the sense of isolation and helplessness. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and and, and I mean like they they do kind of like, rather like hammer the point home as it's building up, you know, like the various things. Like things like that they didn't check, check and like oh the water's still oh we could have some problems if there's any icebergs we're not going to see them quickly enough and um, you know oh there's not that many there's not that many lifeboats on here it's like oh these lifeboats are just for show blah 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 and it, it, it like that stuff's a bit hamfisted uh, a, a bit ropey as well you know um, so um, it. I, I, I don't know. It, the, the, the screenplay, which is never one of Cameron's strong suits, is ropey. Um, but when it when it hits, it, it's it's it, it really is quite overwhelming in just how upsetting it is. And it makes me laugh that this is a film that, like, I mean, I think my wife, uh, my wife, I think she went to see it like three times, and you know, I mean, she was like thirteen, fourteen when this came out, so it was like perfect. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio wanting age, you know. Um, but just the fact that this film is like seen as like a big tragic love story, and the last hour and a half is basically people dying, yeah. <laughs> you know. I, 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 I mean, it's just I, I find that really weird. But the the people dying stuff is really effective to this day, and Cameron takes it seriously. I mean, again, he is a director who takes his stuff seriously, and he treats that with the exact right amount of sincerity, you know, and I, I, I think he's sincere about the love story as well, but it just, it's kind of, it's kind of bobbins, you know yeah. I mean? Like the story in Avatar's bobbins as well, you know, um, but I, I don't know. It, 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 I, I am struck by just how effective Titanic is in that stuff. 
it's I mean like the love story stuff three out of five the disaster movie stuff five out of five uh, in terms of like the, the technical filmmaking and whatnot and the, and, and the effects so on average four out of five which is what I give it on Letterboxd you know I, I I think it's very much a film of two parts and they they I think they balance out to make an actually pretty fucking good film yeah, I, I, Titanic's one of those movies that, that kind of gets gets a lot of shit because at the time when it came out, it, it was it it was it was taken over by um, by girls going to see it for the romance side of it, and it, it did kind of it did kind of taint it to a to a slight degree uh, in people's in certain people's eyes. Um, I, I, so I, I'll be honest, I've only seen Titanic uh, all the way through, uh, it, you know, once. Um, and it finished, and I was like, do you know what? I was all right. I'll probably never watch it again, but I had enough, you know, I had enough fun with it that I thought it, it was it was all right. Yeah, and I, I will say as well, the 3D, mm. you can tell Cameron uh, spent a fortune well, on like the 3D. Like $20 million really dollars good. like that. He did. He took. He spent yeah. like a year um, doing it. Uh, uh, spent like twenty million dollars and was still of the opinion of if it doesn't look any good, I'm not releasing it. It it looks like proper. Yeah, 3D. and you, you, with with Cameron, you get the feeling like if he'd have got to the end of it and looked at it, sat down and watched it and gone, I don't like it. He wouldn't have. I, I believe that he would have gone. I'm not releasing it. Yeah, I, I, I fully believe that yeah. as well. It's um, it's a really impressive piece of work, man. I, 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 I it just, it, I mean, the 3D is is fantastic. So, um, yeah, not got much, uh, too much more to say. Cool. Um, while you talk, I'm just gonna check on Donna yes. quickly, just a sec. Sorry, I'm, I'm gonna mute myself. I'm still listening. I'm just gonna like shout. Yes, no worries. Um, my um. Actually, my Saturday night uh, was spent uh, not being very well, but because I wasn't very well, I decided to polish off half a bottle of gin and an entire career of Tiger, which was fun. Um, my uh, one, I'm going to go one up by one old. Uh, I think I did actually say on the last show what I intended to watch for my one old. Uh, I did actually intend to watch two uh, Robin Williams movies um, to one of the great, the great man who sadly departed uh, a few weeks ago, um, but didn't get a chance to watch a one new. But I did watch a one old. Uh, I watched the... Um, 1987 uh, Barry Levinson comedy, um, well, comedy drama, I suppose it, it would count as uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Um, it was sort of, it was one of uh, Robin Williams' first kind of forays into, you know, showing us some slightly more sort of serious fare uh, from him. He, you know, we'd seen him often in the quite sort of zany films, you know, with Mark and Mindy, then done Popeye, um, World of Got a Garth, and then, you know, a couple of years before we had Dead Poets Society came, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, where set in Saigon at the start of the uh, the Vietnam conflict uh, in 1965, uh, Robin Williams turns up, he's a DJ uh, in the armed forces, he's been serving in, in Greece, where he's had it all quite, quite easy. Uh, the film is actually kind of loosely based on the uh, real life of uh, Adrian Croner, um, who was a, a real DJ. He has said that a lot of it was kind of, there's a lot of liberties taken, but he, I think he still has said that he, he quite enjoys uh, the movie and he does kind of endorse it. Um, Croner uh, essentially comes to Vietnam uh, and he 
his stylings are quite uh, anarchic. He wants to be funny, he does voices, and he wants to kind of he wants to help cheer the troops up. He doesn't want to bring them down, but at the same time, he, he kind of gets bogged down in the red tape of well, you can't say this, and you can't say this, and you can't say this. You can't give the guys any bad news. Um, you, it's all got to be good news, and all news has got to be filtered. And you know that's not his way. Uh, they also tell him what music he can and what music he can't play because they don't want him to wind people up too much. Um, and these things kind of happen. He, he finds it hard integrating into into Vietnam, essentially, uh, and integrating into being seen more as a, a proper soldier, uh, whereas you get the feeling where he was previously, he was just he just went in, did his crazy show, and then, then left. Um, obviously, troops learned to... To you know, troops immediately warm to him, uh, and the film, the film's very good um, when it's not him um, doing the DJ bits. It, it, it's still got a good sort of storyline, but it's you know he, he befriends a a local um, young Vietnamese uh, boy, not that young, he's he's a teenager uh, originally because he's trying to get a date with his uh, sister, but then a friendship is formed uh, that ends up. Um, Going, um, going places that he didn't really want it to go, um, but um, it's the way when the film really pops is during the uh, the bits where he's on air and we get just the you know these explosions uh, from Robin Williams that apparently weren't scripted uh, and were just Robin Williams just going boom out and there you know this film's twenty seven years old I think and it's still really fucking funny and it still makes sense and you can see him almost winding himself up and talking himself into a bit that maybe isn't that funny and then all of a sudden he talks himself into something and you're going just going this is just this is a an incredibly funny guy being incredibly funny and just being brilliant at his craft and it just it lifts the whole movie. There's a great scene where essentially he's been taken off the air uh, and then they try to get him back on the air and he, he's kind of refusing to say, well, I'm not, I'm not going on the air uh, because I'm not going to be allowed to do what I want to do. And then he gets, he gets caught in traffic um, and Boris Whitaker's um, character basically notices that they're, they're caught in traffic in a, in a Jeep and they're surrounded by a lot of GIs. Uh, so, basically gets Robin Williams to start start saying hi to him and doing his bit, not on the air, but just his bit that he's got just to these guys when he stood near them to kind of prove to him, look, these are what these guys, these, these are the guys you're doing it for. You know, you, you, know, you battling against the, the bureaucratic nonsense uh, isn't helping these guys, but you being there and talking, it, it, it gives these guys who are doing this horrible thing um, sort of a little bit of levity every day, and it's it's a wonderful sort of five minute scene where he's he's just talking, and it, it just gave you an insight that that Williams actually was was actually a really really strong actor as well. Um, I know you said that, that you haven't seen this movie yet, so I'm trying not to go into too much detail of what actually happens, but it it, it still holds up really really well. It, it's a touch too long. Uh, and it maybe at points doesn't quite have the punch that it, it maybe could have had, but it's still a really great, um, great film to be honest. More along the, it, it shares more of the war stories of the war film. It's close to something like Mash 
than it is to something like um, a, a full-blown war movie. That's interesting. I, I, yeah, I'm going to be watching this sometime soon. I think I just, um, it's, it's one that I do need to check out. I mean, I'm not going to talk about it in my one new, but I watched Goodwill Hunting for the first time, and um, I mean, he's he's fantastic in that as well. I don't think Goodwill Hunting is a perfect film by no. any means, but um, it, I mean, I don't know. There is a sense of fucking sadness and logging to him in that, which is just amazing. Yeah, he 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 has this. He has this great kind of turn of sympathy um, that he can pull off where you, you get the feeling like um, his character, the, the, the character that he's playing actually cares, but you get the feeling that Robin Williams uh, as the person actually cared as well and cares that this character mm-hmm. cares. And he, it, it, it's, he does have a great sense of sincerity towards himself and an ability yeah. to to move from zany comedian um, to to be able to deliver quite punchy lines quite well. He, he does angry quite well, uh, but not rah, shouting angry. He does a good line in fuck you angry. Uh, and there's some great moments in this that are incredible fuck you angry. And you can tell that he's a very, I'm sorry, that he, that he was an, an incredibly smart guy. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a it's a great great film to watch. Um, I, I would say for a first time, it is it, it's by no means a, a magnificent film, but it's a very very good film. It's a solid eight out of ten film. Nice man. Go on then, hit us with your uh, your one new. Um, okay, my one new. What am I going to talk about? I've watched tons. That's the thing since we last recorded. Oh, so um, uh, yeah. Um, Oh, go on then. Um, so yeah, I watched the In Betweeners too. Uh, have you? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've not yet. Um, yeah, so I loathed the first In Betweeners. Loathed it with a passion. I fucking hated that film. Um, and sorry, I'm just adjusting my chair. Sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I came to this just primarily because. I'd, I'd heard people say, yeah, the first one's shit, this one's actually pretty good. So, I was, you know, I, I, I just kind of thought, well, sod it, I may as well. So, uh, my, my Cineworld card, I've cancelled it, but it's, it's still alive for a couple of weeks, so why not? And uh, so I, I checked it out. And uh, basically, the story is... Um, it uh, They've all been to uni for a year, apart from Jay... Um, oh, no, Neil, sorry. Um, and... Uh, like that basically everyone's having a shit time for various reasons uh they go to uh australia to see jay um because he's saying that he's getting a lot of pussy and whatnot but it turns out he's not and uh it kind of goes on from there basically um now i was not a fan of the first one for for a few reasons um the first was the primary one i think was the fact that it seemed to actively, actively hate its women characters. Um, they were there to either be laughed at or shagged. Yeah, laughed at or leered at. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. And that was basically it. Um, in this one, I think they develop things a bit. There's one... I mean, the thing is, there were not that many nice women in this film, but... 
it's also kind of a sense that they're not nice because that these guys are idiots and they're not very nice themselves. So it's like the kind of the company they keep aren't very nice. Um, I mean, the the these guys are dickheads, you know. And I mean, like a, a couple of them are actual are, are really twats, you know, just like not likable people who deserve to be laughed at. And the women in this film, like, basically treat them with contempt. And I actually think that's a that's kind of more grown up than than the first film was. Um, even if you know the, the fact that there are really no likable women characters, there's one very very briefly. One of the uh, there's an appearance from one of the love interests in in from the first one, and she actually kind of feels a lot more real than any of any of the other characters, frankly. Mm. Um, Secondly, that the first film kind of forgot that it was about these guys interacting with each other, and they they're all kind of off get like kind of getting with other with, with girls and or trying to get with girls, and it's not really about the interactions between them. And this one, it's got a lot more of just them in a car chatting shit at each other, um, which. It's not very cinematic, even though I will say this film actually has moments that are an awful lot more cinematic than the first one. Um, it actually kind of, at moments, does look like it deserves to be on a big screen and fair play. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, I enjoyed the characters more. I laughed a lot more. It just feels like the writing's better, mm. to, like, really. Um, and it, it just... It reminds you what you uh, what you actually likes about the sitcom, which you know I, I I don't think the first one's not universally loved. That's the thing. I think a lot of people think the first one was a bit rubbish, but this one it actually works on its own merits. And there is, I mean, it, it's not perfect. There are sequences that go on too long. There, there is one, the big gross out sequence of the film is amazing kind of when it's going but then it goes for about, it, it ends with um adagio in strings playing and um ah. what one of the characters you know like slow-mo and stuff and that's a little bit oh, okay we got it just get on with it <laughs> you know so and and that's yeah that's poor but yeah it, it, it's i don't know there, there are moments in this in this film and more moments that than not that work and I say fair play because I wasn't expecting that. It's not amazing. It's not the best comedy of the year. I mean, it's so far behind 22 Jump Street, for instance, or even Guardians of the Galaxy, you know. But um, but when it works, this actually works, whereas the first film never worked. So one of my pleasant surprises of the year, I will say, actually, I just I had quite a good time watching it. I really, 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 really don't want a third one. I I have um, a feeling there will be to be honest. It the the yeah, just I mean, made too much money. Yeah, I mean it's made it's made significantly less than the first, but it's still made a lot. That's that's the thing. I mean, I think the first made over forty million. I think it made about forty five million, mm. and I think this one's gonna make in the in the low to mid thirties. Yes, but I mean it, it's still so, off a off a three and a half million budget. I think it was. It's yeah. still yeah. so far. It, it, it'll break fifty million. 
um, worldwide. There you so, go. You know, so um, I, I would think we, we, we'll probably get a, a, a third in a few years. Sure. Um, but in, in a day, you know, I, I will watch the image readers too at some point. You know, if I do a third, I, I don't have to watch it. I probably end up will watching it at some point, to be honest. So we'll see. Uh, right, uh, my one new, uh, funnily enough, is also a, uh, a British comedy uh, from uh, this year. Uh, I watched uh, Richard Shepard's um, deeply black comedy, um, Jude Law starring comedy, Don Hemingway. Have you watched this? Ah, uh, okay. Have you watched? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I watched this the, the, the other night. Uh, it's got a startling uh, opening three minutes. Um the, the opening three minutes of this film are by far the best three minutes of the film. Um, are you not a fan? Of the film, generally? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 thought it, I, I thought it started strong and got increasingly bad. Yeah, right. Um, so, essentially, Dom Hemingway. Uh, you have uh, Dom Hemingway, the character, played by Jude Law. He's a... Uh, well, he's in, he's been in prison for twelve years. Uh, he's a safe cracker, and uh, we um, are introduced to him as he is basically telling us how wonderful uh, his cock is. Um, so it's an early introduction into how he is quite. He, he talks in a very over the top, very dramatic, uh, and very almost sort of Victorian and mix of Shakespearean, just kind of that that way, but in a very broad kind of, you know, cockney geezer way as well. Um, and then he's released from prison, and what he wants to do is he wants to get what he thinks he deserves, uh, which is financial recompense for the fact that he went to jail for somebody else. The other thing that he wants to do is he wants to... Um, he wants to basically be reunited with his daughter um, who he hasn't seen for years because he's been in jail who's now grown up and had a child of her own and essentially he wants to do that and he wants to party and that's it and that is that is 95 minutes where we get complete up and downs uh, with uh, Dom Hemingway where there's bits where He's incredibly angry, uh, and there's bits where he's incredibly drunk, and there's bits where he's incredibly pathetic. And essentially, you've got a man who has been in prison for 12 years, is deeply mentally broken, <laughs> and but also has, has had, I would say, several mental breakdowns, uh, but still maintains an incredible ego. Um, all of the characters. This is this. Don Hemingway is a cartoon. Um, the entire thing is a cartoon. Every character in it, with the exception of um, his daughter and his daughter's family, are cartoons. But even there's something slightly cartoonish about them as well. Um, he comes across as being the kind of guy where he's probably a really good guy to know but is a complete dick. <laughs> and he is a complete dick at every fucking turn. You know, even to his friend, played by Richard E. Grant, where there's a great moment where he's, for the entire film that we're introduced to, um, Richard E. Grant, uh, the character Dickie, uh, he's wearing a black glove. 
And then there's a great moment where uh, it, where this is then referenced by another character who keeps calling him Lefty. And this is where Dom realizes that he that while he's been in prison, he's lost his hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. But Dom hasn't noticed that he's lost his hand. <laughs> he's like, shit, really? Have you lost your hand? He's like, why do you think I wear the fucking gloves? Like, I don't know, I've been in jail for 12 years. I thought it was a fashion fucking thing. You've always been a bit like yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And it, 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 it's a wonderful moment. And then there's a great, there's just, there are great moments in Dom Hemingway where when it, when it works, it works brilliantly. Where he's talking about his hangover. Um, and and yes, how wonderful yeah. his hangover is, and how he's tried to make up for twelve years in three days. Um, and those are the bits that work really, really well. But then there's other bits that kind of that you get the feeling that they've gone too big, that when they try and pull it down, it doesn't really quite work. And I don't think they went far enough. Uh, with him, I think they could have gone a lot further with the character. Um, in terms of, I, I could have quite easily watched another ten minutes of him getting to know his grandson, because I think there could have been an interesting story there. Yeah, uh, I, I would have been interested in that, but it just kind of it ends with him kind of being almost back, but you kind of go in, I don't even know if he is back though, or whether or not he just feels like he's back, which maybe is completely the point. But I'll be honest, I had a lot of fun uh, with, with Don Hemingway, the character. The, the film by no means is, is perfect, and there's bits of it that just that just simply don't work. But I think when it is on song, I think Don Hemingway is, is, is fucking great, to be honest, when it's on song. That there are bits of it that work. The, the safe cracking bit is it's marvelous. Fantastic. Where he yeah. literally, where he is literally humping the safe, that is a great moment. But then it, it it just loses itself for a few minutes afterwards. The aftermath of it goes on for five minutes too long. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it, it just sorry. Yeah, and, and 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 that bit doesn't work. It, it, it what could have that could have done with is him having that victory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. It just. It was very much in one eye and out the other, as such. I just. I. I. I didn't. By. By the end of it, I was like, "Well, that was done then." And I. I wish. I wish it was better because I. I thought it. It did have its moments. Yeah. It's. 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 It's a very engrossing performance from Jude Law. He. He. He is. Fuck. He is at full tilt with it. Yeah. No. He is. He is. Um. Jude Law is, is great. I just wish the film was better. <laughs> right. Um, cool. That was, uh, that was our one old, one new. Uh, we're now going to the, the final part of our um, two-packathon. Uh, we are, like I say, we are missing a, a film. But to be honest, the last couple of films that he made were were kind of, they, they weren't, this this would be a better one to finish on than, than the other two films, to be honest, because this is more his last film. Um, so we're gonna play a trailer. It's the film is Gridlock, uh, and then we'll we'll get into it. Nice. I see death around the corner. Any day, trying to... On bass, power extraordinaire, spoon, and on keyboards, our poet and resident scholar, Stretch. 
cookie. We gotta get it to Oscar. Look, Doc. Girl, just ODs. She hasn't said a word in over an hour, and I'm scared she's gonna die. Gurney! You ever feel like your luck's running out, man? Lately, I've been feeling like my luck's been running out. I'm kicking, and I want you to do it with me. Me and my friend need to get into a detox today. Well, you've got to have a Medicaid card to get into the program. To get temporary Medicaid, you got to go to the new office. Take a seat. Your name will be called. Temporary Medicaid cards are issued only for medical necessity. Why is everything such a hassle with you guys, huh? Your number has already been called, sir. Yeah, well, I was in the bathroom. You'll have to take another number. What? Better go on and get this out of my face, man, before I shoot him. Excuse me. I believe you have something that belongs to us. We'd like to get it back. I can't believe you sometimes. <laughs> it's almost five o'clock and we're not giving out any more appointments. We only do referrals here now. These people working these government jobs and you can't get them to help you. If by some miracle you do get them to help you, they give you all this attitude like you're wasting the time or something. You don't have any insurance. How do you plan to pay for this? Possibly money order. <laughs> three lefts, a right, and a left. Two rights, two lefts, and a right. Two rights, three lefts, and another two lefts. It's around the corner on the left. You got beautiful eyes. God bless your eyes. Alexa! Fill this out and bring it back to me. So forget that we bleed to death. You walk in here after five, ten, however many years. Fuck off! And because today is the day you decide to kick, the whole world is supposed to stop! Somehow I don't think this was my parents' dream for me. Life is too short, I feel trapped, hoping I don't get caught, watch my back, lost in the traffic, heart is a tragic, life is a traffic jam, life is a traffic jam, life is a traffic jam. I'll kill you with a trailer there for uh, the 1997 movie uh, Gridlock, uh, directed by Bondi Curtis Hall, uh, stars Tupac Shakur, Tim Roth, uh, Sandy Newton, um, Buck and Woodbine, and Bondi Curtis Hall himself turns up in it as well. Um, story is, uh, set in Detroit, you've got uh, Spoon uh, and Stretch, played by Tupac Shakur and Tim Roth, uh, who are in a kind of beatnik poetry band uh, with Cookie, played by Sandy Newton, I believe in her first film role. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. think I'm right in saying that. Let me check. Her first, we'll say it's her first American uh, film role. Um, sure. Spoon and Stretch are uh, heroin addicts. Uh, Cookie is not. However, we get to the film on um, New Year's Eve, where Cookie has tried Erin uh, for the first time and has OD'd. So they take her in, so she's OD'd, she might die, she's in a, potentially in a coma. So Spoon and Stretch decide that they're going to kick it the next day and they're going to get in a rehab programme. And the film is about them trying to get into uh, the... essentially getting a, re, uh, getting a rehab uh, down the infamous Eight Mile Road. Um, made famous by uh, somebody a few years later, I think. Um, Ian, uh, what did you think of Gridlock? 
Uh, yeah, so I I think this is the film I liked the best out of the ones we're covering, actually. Um, it's got an interesting vibe of just kind of like being a bit of a, a weird hanging out film, yeah. even though there is an element of kind of ticking clock to it as well. Mm. And um, it, it's got, I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting mix. It's like Richard Linklater meets, I, I don't know, almost kind of like a, 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 some, a, a more kind of a, thriller kind of element um meets a kind of like a buddy cop action film even though they're not cops but you know just like the two kind of slightly mismatched guys together and um yeah i don't know i it was i don't know it was quite an easy watch i mean it it feels like it's a little little bit full of itself at moments the the song at the end I could have done without. Um, like, I, like, I'm not too sure what the point of all that was. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought Tupac was all right. It was nice that he wasn't just a prick. Um, you know, kind of like Poetic Justice, really. I mean, that's a terrible film, but at least Tupac's trying to show that he's not just a fuck. Yeah. And, I mean, Tim Roth, who's already a bit of a comedian, he kind of feels at, at home here. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I... I, I I quite liked it. It's um yeah, I I don't know, what did you think? It's been a number of years um since I, I, I watched um Gridlock. Um I saw Gridlock at the cinema to be honest, uh when it came out over here. Um but I was I was a little bit worried that maybe again uh, because of, 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 of how bad Poetic Justice was, I was a little bit worried that, that Gridlock was was gonna be one of those films that was better in my head. Than it was in actual reality, uh, and it probably was a little bit better in my head than, than it was in reality. But I still really kind of I enjoyed it and I got a lot out of it. It is like you say, it, it, it's a buddy movie, it's a slacker movie as well uh, that kind of shows these guys, and it it, it it has two messages in with itself that you know that these guys are wanting to or in their mind they're wanting to kick and they're wanting to get into a program that is available to them to kick, and it, it's actually. It's it's ridiculously difficult, and there's so much red tape to go through to get to that point. But then it's almost, but then by the other sense of the imagination, it's also saying, hey, hang on a minute. What you've got to remember is is all these things that you need to get into this program. If you hadn't been a junkie for God knows how long, you'd just have them. Okay, the fact that you need a medicard, you'd have that if you hadn't spent the past God knows how many years being essentially a junkie. So there's all of that that kind of mixes in. And there is the sort of... It, it never really shows the absolute laws of, of, of heroin addiction, but it, it, it kind of it, it flirts around in that middle where it, it stays as a comedy, as the thriller element of the fact that you've got um, these guys chasing them for various reasons, and you've got the dramatic elements of the fact that, you know, you, you do start to feel for these characters, and they are quite funny, but there's... There's a great chemistry, I think, between um, between Tupac and, and Tim Roth. They seem like they they were getting on quite well, and there's almost uh, it, it's good that you've got, like you say, that Tupac he, he isn't a thug, and he wasn't uh, he doesn't come across as like oh well, he used to be a gangbanger, and that's how he got into drugs and, and all this. Like you know, there's an element of these guys are, are heroin addicts, but they're actually quite smart guys. Um, you know, and they're very aware of their issues that they've got, but they're just so ingrained in the issues that they've got 
that it kind of throws them around it and it makes them it makes them quite stupid. Uh, there's there's some great kind of actual scenes in it where you, there's just the two of them talking together. The scene where um, where Tim Roth has to stab Tupac uh, it is hilarious. It, it's a wonderfully funny scene of of Tim Roth just kind of just trying to, you know, make sure that he's doing it right. And, and there's a bit where he, he stabs once and it doesn't work. So he stabs again and it doesn't work. The next time he just repeatedly keeps stabbing him. I tell you what, man, I fucking, I had to look away in that, like, that just, I don't know, like the fact that it's, I was kind of visualising him doing it and it kind of bending the skin but not breaking yeah. it. And I just, like, I, I was just like, nah, fuck that, I'm out. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't deal I, with I, that. I was, I was in fits of hysterics again. Uh, and I think, I remember when I first watched it, I was in fits of hysterics at that moment. Um I would agree, yeah. The, the the film probably does think it's got more to say than it actually probably does. Uh, the the song at the end is absolutely a pure indulgence thing um, yeah. to have in it. Uh, but also, I do remember um, the the little two pack rap in the uh, in the song at the end is in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. It? It's it's a very prominent bit in the trailer. And it's the bit where the, the name of the film gets mentioned, um, you know. So I, I think there's there's that element to it to it as well. I I think that Von D. Curtis all certainly thinks that the film's got got more of a message than it than it than it possibly actually uh, actually has itself, you know. And this is this is Von D. Curtis Hall who went on to his next film he went on to direct was um, the deeply um, dark and um, incredibly serious Mariah Carey movie, Glitter, um, was his, his follow-up movie to this. So, you know, maybe a Bondi Curtis Hall marathon might be on the cards at some fucking point. Oh, don't. <laughs> um, no, it, yeah. it, it, it's great. I mean, I, I, I have still found myself uh, saying the say, using the word Kazool, uh, and that is dating back to 1997 when I first saw this movie. And I still say that on a fairly regular basis, just based on the, the ridiculous um, you know, drug-addled rabblings of, of Tim Roth, um, which there's a great, almost like a big brother kind of thing that, that Tupac has over uh, Tim Roth's character in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I don't know. I mean, there's not an awful lot of kind of meat to really chew on. I mean, I think the, 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 the kind of the Medicare stuff, and they're like constantly having to bat around the different places and kind of like the, 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 the kind of logistics of it all. I mean, I, I think it's, it's got things to say, but I wonder, I kind of slightly wonder whose side the film's on because like you've got that, uh, that one moment where that, um, that guy at one of the places just kind of tells him how it mm. is. And it's just like, you got you motherfuckers just decided, Oh, uh, one day, oh, I want to quit, and I want to do it in a day. I, and, you know, and you're here, and you're just expect, expecting me to, like, like, just let you do it, you know. And uh, it, it, I, I kind of, I like the way that it, it, it plays that, the fact that, you know, the, the, the kind of, like, the, the authorities, like, the man, are just people as well. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're trying to do as much as they can do, but they're kind of ground down by the machine as much as the as as the addicts to an extent you know like the, the way they're 
their caring has just completely seeped out. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's kind of, I think it's actually quite even handed in that way. And I mean, it never makes the a drug taking look, look sexy or anything like that. You know, I mean, they're, they're, these are like kind of scuzzy guys. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 I found it an entertaining watch. I thought the stuff, the kind of stuff it slightly had to say, I thought it, it did it perfectly well and didn't really, um, kind of like uh, 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 like dig your nose in it and um, yeah I, I, I just I thought it was a good time I mean I'll be honest I watched it like four or five days ago so I'm having a little bit of a little bit of a time struggling just kind of remembering specific things but I um, I don't know like I say like I said at the start it's my favourite of the films we've covered um, so far mm. or that we will cover yeah I mean what I think is very interesting is uh, Von Die Hall Hall um, Apparently, uh, in in preparation for for making this movie, uh, he he knew he was going to make it, but he essentially shadowed um, Baz Luhrmann um, while they were making Romeo and Juliet um, okay. to kind of pick up sort of some directing bits, uh, sort of tips from there. And he, you know, that's and I think you can actually see some of that within the movie itself. That it's you know, in terms of there's a lot of quite kind of quick cuts um, that flicker throughout the movie of you know of the the you know, the, the, the the top cap um, you know cooking the heroin and, and things like that and there's a lot of there's a lot of sound going on as well and you can see that maybe that was oh well you know and that is something that that Lerman uses a lot uh, in um, Romeo and Juliet so you can kind of see bits from that. Um, certainly, I, I, I well, I could maybe it was just I'm picking stuff out there and imagining it, but but yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, it's one of those films I think with a lot where the, the soundtrack did a lot better than the actual movie itself. You know, the soundtrack did very well and the the movie did not great. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. It, it it kind of just it. I'm not surprised by that, to be honest. It doesn't really feel like a film that people can really get behind. It, it's not, it's not juice enough to be juice, mm. but it's or but it's not um, kind of serious enough, I think, to kind of get the the more slightly higher minded people um, kind of hooked into it as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, um, I I don't know. I I, I, I was pretty pleased. Yeah, with I, it. I, I'm, I'm definitely not shit. Um... Like you say, I think I think out of the out of the films that we covered, which is pretty much is is back catalog. There's a couple in there that we haven't covered, but he's he's in them less than you'd imagine, to be honest. Um, I would say it's probably the best film. It's the certainly the most rounded and the most adult film of the lot of them. Um, you know, it's it's got more to say, I think. Um, and he's he, he's two factor is very good in it. You know, he, he's. He's, he clearly had um, ad talent as an actor, and yeah. he didn't just do yeah. um, he didn't just do essentially films like Juice and you know rap associated um, black culture films. That's the interest. That's an interesting point. Is you could see there was a a genuine want to to move away from not move away from that, but to not only get caught in doing that that sort of type of movie. To expand his horizons. Yeah, like, yeah certainly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's definitely not shit from me. 
Yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely not sure. Yeah. Um, so, Ian, um, what what are we starting next week for our marathon? Okay, so um, this is uh, currently untitled, but I'm sure we'll think of something, hopefully. But we are going to cover the Exorcist films. Uh, we're going to do two horror marathons. We're going to um, do Halloween kind of in October, but we are going to do the Exorcist films. So, um, Ian and Mark well, suck dicks in hell. There Ian you and go. Mark Ian and Mark suck dicks in hell. Yeah. Suck cocks in hell. Fantastic. So, that's good. So <laughs> what I'm thinking is if uh, this week we do The Exorcist. Yes. Uh, week after we do Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I haven't seen that enough. I haven't done um, Yeah. Um, the, 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 the week later we'll do uh, Exorcist 3. Yeah. And then the week after that, do you want to do Dominion and Exorcist The Beginning? Oh, yes. Do them both at the same week. Yes. Do a little like compare and contrast. Yeah, I'm like, very much up for that. Sweetness. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be the next few weeks. It's going to be uh, Ian and Mark suck dicks in hell. <laughs> oh fucking hell! <laughs> yes, I'm, right. I'm very looking forward to that. Uh, what's out next week? Oh, it's the guest. It's the guest, right? Yeah. I have to see if I can see that then. Um... It's um it, it seems to be playing quite well. Oh right, that's that's good then. Cause that's quite looking forward to to catching uh, the guest. Uh, so yeah, so we'll, if I do, you want to have a quick? I'm check? gonna have a quick check now just to see if I can actually see if it's playing me. Um, it's on. Uh, it it is on the front page of. Um, I, I think because of the Dan Stevens factor, it's oh, actually yeah, getting yes, quite it is, a yeah, wide yeah, release. I, 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 I'll definitely get a catch it. Fantastic. Yeah, cool. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll be covering um, the guest. Uh, we'll also be uh, starting our, our uh, Ian and Mark um, subcoxing in, in, in Hell um, marathon with The Exorcist. Um, one old, one new. Uh, we'll be back. I would say next week with a proper full show we'll be doing trailers and we'll we'll do questions as well, won't we? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean I, I know we've we've been delaying that for weeks, but um I don't see why yeah, not. I it, think we'll actually kind of Yeah, it, it's not we don't answer it, it's just that we didn't get chance on our Fright Fest show and we've not kind of got chance um yet so far. Um today, really. Um like I say, um, mostly my fault for due to me being not very well uh, over this past week and incredibly busy. So we'll be back next week with episode 80, you know, 79, what they? Yeah, 79. Uh, that's 70, been, is it? Yeah, 78, this one. That's, I thought it was 78. There we are. Now, next week it'll be 79. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. So uh, that was episode 78, uh, people. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Ian, anything to add? Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, thank you very much, folks. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you next so, week. Uh, don't forget to uh, sponsor Ian before Sunday, if you're listening to this before Sunday. Um, get in touch with us uh, at Dude and the Monkey, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, dudeandthemonkey at gmail.com. Uh, like I say, please do send us questions at any point. We will answer them and we will be answering them on a week by week basis again from next week. So thank you very much for listening, guys. Cheers. Nice, guys. Cheers.